Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, it's Casey here, and welcome back to another episode of the Fractional CMO Show. If you're listening, you probably are a chief marketing officer or VP of marketing, or you've been working in marketing for years, and you want to get into the role of fractional chief marketing officer. Uh, and if that's that's you, then, then you're in the right place. Today, I want to talk to you about creating a zero trust environment inside of your clients. So it's a weird term, first of all. I don't like it. Every time I say it, I kind of feel like I'm saying, like, I don't trust people. And and really what this is, is it's a um, it's a model, kind of a mental model with which you need to, uh, like, you need to view the business's data through. So what's the most important thing to a business? Some might say it's reputation. And I think in a lot of ways, that's true. Um, some might say it's the products or it's the people. And that's probably true, too. But data is critically important. And also the security of that data is very important. So um, we've seen recently the uh, last password hack, which has been a crazy um, kind of mess and mistake of disclosure um, that LastPass is kind of poorly executed on. You know, they didn't disclose it early on that there was a huge leak. Um, and then as they kind of disclosed, the problem became worse and worse. And the vector through which that uh, problem occurred is even crazier. Uh, I don't know if you've been following it, but what happened is um, LastPass, which is a password protection kind of sharing utility, the master keys to like LastPass's LastPass, uh, were were retrieved by a, um, a a malicious actor, and it's a pretty convoluted hack. So maybe it happened from a nation state. Maybe it was just someone who was super bored and had a lot of time on their hands. Um, it's not clear yet who did it, but the implication is dramatic and really terrible for LastPass. I think this is really going to hurt them. I mean, it, you know, my team we left LastPass as a result of this um, over a month ago. So uh, what ultimately happened, if you're following, is that um, LastPass, one of the few developers who had the master keys to everything, logged on through his personal computer at home while on a network that he had Plex media server that hadn't been updated. There was an exploit in Plex and um, the developer had his keys stolen and then the uh, hacker went on and downloaded all the data of everyone's um, vaults. Now, if you have a really secure password, maybe your data is relatively secure, but what's going to happen is these hackers are just able to brute force. There's no limit on their brute force activity. So they just guess one password and maybe try to unlock every single vault with it. And every password that they try will unlock, you know, one vault or a thousand vaults or 10,000 vaults. Who, who knows? Uh, for maybe more common passwords, things like that. So super, super scary. That data is obviously one of the most important things for LastPass. So how do you create an environment where um, there's more security, even if you aren't a security-minded person? Well, the first thing you have to do as a fractional CMO is you have to lean into technology. You got to just accept that tech is part of your day-to-day -day as a CMO. 
And you just need to think critically from the outside. You do not need to be an expert. You do not need to know the difference between a, um, uh, like a, a get request uh, versus a push request versus a put request. Like you don't need to know these different things with like uh, technology. You don't need to fully understand how servers work. You don't need to understand um, the underlying technology of everything, but you do need to have some basic understandings. And one of those basic understandings is the idea of like self-hosted versus uh, managed hosted, meaning you the, the company that you're working with as the fractional CMO might have a server that they actually own the physical hardware and it's in a closet in the office versus that server might be at a data center in um, Iowa or New York or San Francisco or whatever, right? You should kind of understand the basics of the technology infrastructure, where things are physically, and who has access to those things. The number one thing that I think you should be most concerned about is the customer data. So this is like leads, customers, partners, uh, and then anything else that's related to them. So their purchase history or their interaction history. Um, this is typically the data that would be in a CRM for most businesses and maybe in the data warehouse for a more um, kind of uh, technology liter technologically literate business. So if you haven't heard of the term data warehouse, it's this idea of you get all of these different data sources and they all dump into one place and that one place warehouses it all so that you can query reports from it. So think of this. If you wanted to run a report in like a traditional kind of offline office, you might have to go to one filing cabinet and grab some stuff, and then you might have to go online and grab some stuff, then you might have to ask someone at the front desk some questions, and then from all of that, you can surmise whatever you're looking for. You can figure out where'd the person come from, when was the last meeting, and what did they buy, right? You might have to like look at three different sources for that. If you have technology that's all connected online, you can dump all of that stuff, all of those events, all of that data into a data warehouse and then query a report from that warehouse. Obviously, that's like a way more efficient way to do things. Um, the creation of a data warehouse these days is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an emerging, I don't know, science in some ways on how to find the right data uh, and put together a story that's compelling, that's accurate, um, that kind of considers all of the different touches that a prospect might have had along the way. So maybe your client has a data warehouse, Maybe your client has a CRM. Maybe your client just has some, you know, really uh, loose records um, collected somewhere, like on Dropbox. Whatever it is, it's clear that that data is super important. And if that got into the hands of the of, of a of a malicious actor, of a disgruntled employee, um, uh, of uh, of right, like a hacker, like someone who just like wants to release the data and um, watch your business burn, you know, watch the client's business burn. Obviously, all those things would be bad. So you need to uh, have a tool in your toolbox to kind of look through the data in a zero-trust environment. How do you reduce the trust required so that you could operate effectively trustless? So I think of, um, uh, I've got a cable line, a, a Fios Ethernet line. It's um, like a gigabit line to my house. And it's been hanging low recently. Like it's active, actually like sagging and it's getting hit by cars. Kind of worried about it. So I go on Verizon and I say, hey, I got this issue. Um, can, you, uh, can you help? And their first reply back is, we're going to connect you with an agent. Never share your information with the agent. If uh, they ask you for your social security or your password or whatever, do not give it to them. 
which I thought was like kind of wild. They said like, don't trust the people that we've employed to help you, you know, kind of nuts. Um, so that's like how they're handling some of that. They're not giving those employees the opportunity to collect that data. They'll just text me a link and then I'll go through and confirm in a specific way only on the, you know, Verizon servers. And maybe I'm astute enough to realize that I'm on the right server and not on the wrong server. I don't know. Kind of, kind of, kind of tricky. Um, but that's, that's what they've done to reduce the trust required of the employees. Because an employee could come in and capture a bunch of identity information and then go sell that information and make some money and then my identity could get stolen. Right? That's a possibility. So they've adopted a zero trust environment with their um, customer service agents. So I want to ask you, like, how can you create a zero trust environment? Well, I'll tell you, uh, if you're using a CRM, CRMs have a ton of different security layers to them. If you think about Salesforce, there's access to different objects. Um, then there's access to reporting and dashboards. And that access can be on a um, title level. Like if you're in the C-suite, you get access to certain stuff. And then it can be on the individual level as well or the departmental level. So you can really uh, ensure like the fine tuning of permissions. If you use a CRM that's a little less featured, like ActiveCampaign, um, still a great CRM, you can create different teams for folks and then limit them. So you could create a team for sales and sales only gets access to the deals, uh, but they don't get access to the leads. And then maybe you have a marketer on the team that only gets access to the leads, but don't get access to the sales. And then you have someone on the service side that only gets access to customers, people who are paying, but gets no access to uh, sales data or access to uh, lead data. So you can create these rule sets that limit the visibility of data to certain people so that you have just less that you have to trust people on. So if you were to log into your client's CRM, would you see the SEO vendor and the PPC vendor that you had pulled in have um, admin access to everything? If so, maybe you should revoke some of that access. Is there an employee that has too much access? Maybe you should revoke it. Does everyone share one username and password because the client is a little, um, you know, a little like uh, maybe a little stiff on uh, paying extra for different users? Well, if that's the case, then you're going to find yourself in a position where if someone was to download the entire lead list or customer list and export it, it would just say info at domain.com did that and not an individual person. So there is no audit trail. That's not good for the business. We have to live in a world where we're thinking through this stuff. I don't ever want to think that someone's going to do something like that under my watch, that someone's going to try to steal under my watch, right? Like that's, that's an icky feeling and I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Like I have uh, everyone using two-factor authentication. Two-factor authentication is having a text message texting to them um, that gives them a six-digit code for them to log in, or they use an authenticator app like Authy or Google Authenticator to generate that six-digit code. Whatever um, I can do to strengthen our security is important. It's also possible that someone who isn't malicious but is maybe a little foolish could get their laptop stolen at a coffee shop and someone could just see that we've got an ad account and they have access to it and they just run a bunch of ads to something else that you know we're not selling and as a result, um, the client gets a huge ad bill under my watch. That would be really bad. So you have to think through these things. What are all the different vectors of threat when it comes to data security, financial security, things like that? 
if your client runs a WordPress website, an easy thing to do is log into the back end of the website, go to the users tab and see all the users that are in there. Who are the users? It's possible that if you don't have two-factor authentication turned on, that that user may have just used a password that previously they've used on another service. This is scary, okay? If you go to the website, haveibeenpwned.com, that's pwned spelled P-W-N-E-D, haveibeenpwned.com. It's run by Troy Hunt, who is a killer uh, security researcher. And what he's done is he takes all of the um, hacks that happen. These are hacks that happen where massive lists of username, password, phone number, sometimes social security information, uh, you know, location, address, uh, phone number, like all sorts of different data gets leaked by a service because a hacker went in and leaked it. This has happened everywhere. This has happened at Canva. There's a huge hack there. This happened at Pinterest. This happened at LinkedIn. Sometimes it's with passwords. Sometimes it's not. Um, but all of this data is getting leaked on a regular basis. If you go to haveibeenpwned.com and just type in your email address and search, it will tell you if you've been pwned. Pwned is meaning your information got um, hacked, exploited, doxed. And they say, yes, in fact, it has. Here is a vector that most people don't consider. If you reuse the same password, you have the same password uh, for multiple sites, or you have a password that you think is tricky because it has like, maybe it's password 123 Gmail. Maybe that's what it is. And you just add at the end of the password what the service is. Um, if your password got uh, exploited and then uh, posted on one of these forums in a text file, there's your uh, email address and your password there. And... Um, what hackers do is then they go and look and say, oh, can I log in on any other service with this email address and password? And they just do this in like in mass quantities, just rapidly, just seeing, can I log in? Can I log in? They're going to get a whole bunch of no's and they'll occasionally get a yes. This happened to me. I had a guy in Eastern Europe who got into my Spotify because I reused a password that I've used too many times before. It got exploited and then he just checked with a major service and boom, he got into my Spotify took me a long time to kind of figure it out, see that that's what was happening. Um, he actually changed the email address to his email address, and I kept paying the bill for it. It was tough to get it all back. You know, it wasted time for me. Um, so that's what can happen. If, if you look back at WordPress and you see a bunch of users are on WordPress, it's possible that one of those users used a password they've used previously, and that password was exposed in an uh, exploit. And maybe they, uh, a, another bad actor could log into the back end of your WordPress site. That's a, that's a possibility. So scary, right? Like um, that's very, uh, I would say it's common. I would say it's, it's a threat vector that you should be abreast to. You should understand it. You should force everyone to use you know, 12 character or longer alphanumeric uh, case sensitive passwords with symbols in them too and store everything in a smart password keeper like one password or keeper or bitwarden certainly not last password after that big uh, incident that they had these are technological threats that you need to understand and keep your eyes open for you may be working at a company that's a tech focused company and they're really fun companies to work with uh, they typically have this stuff all figured out. And that's great. You probably could learn a ton from them and bring that knowledge to your other clients, like kind of the process of like keeping things secure. 
but maybe you you're working with a client um, and they're not very techy and you're the most technical person there that's not uncommon you know they produced a website five years ago on WordPress and they haven't updated it since so the WordPress version is outdated so all those exploits that have happened from all those past versions you know someone could just target the website and, and hack the whole website, right? Get in and start injecting malicious code or redirecting certain traffic or stealing um, the the authority of the domain and, you know, sending traffic to, uh, I've seen stuff like sending it to uh, Adobe to buy Photoshop on a discount. It's a total scam site that captures people's credit card information. So all these things are possible. You just need to know that these vectors exist. And then you need to do what you can to reduce um, the, the trust that you have to have for things to be successful. You wanna limit people's permissions. Nice way to do that is just kind of block everyone out of everything and then painfully over the course of some time, maybe over the course of a month, you let people in. You say, hey guys, I'm locking everything down and this is gonna be annoying for the next month. If you ever run into an issue where you get a permission denied because you don't have access to something, just DM me and I'll go and um, give you that access. I just wanna make sure that everyone has only access to what they need. And this isn't about an any one thing, this is just a general best practice for the business. Last thing we all want is for our data to go missing. So I'm just gonna lock it all down. You could go that route, and honestly, I recommend that you consider it. Uh, it. It likely makes sense for you to do it, again, unless there's a CTO that's doing that kind of stuff already. So you have to appreciate your threat vectors. You have to appreciate um, the, the pain of losing some data or getting that data downloaded and you know someone uh, taking it out of the business and going and doing something with it. And you gotta do what you can to limit those threats. Scary stuff. And um, you're the hero if that ever happens under your watch because you thought it through and you planned for worst case scenario and you you know solved the problem. Uh, it's a it's a it's just an important consideration for you to have. So that's what I got for you today. Um, actually, I just got a message from one of my members, uh, and here's what he said: I won my first client in the first three weeks. He said, "Hey all, I just won my first client as a fractional CMO. I joined CMOX about three weeks ago." The content in this program is what helped me win the client. Before CMOX, I would have pitched them at $1,500 per month and done all the work myself. With CMOX, I will be the CMO, awesome, and charging $7,000 a month. I will get more done, earn more money, and be less stressed during the process. Thank you to Casey and to the team, as this has been a massive mindset, business, and lifestyle shift for me. And without you guys, I would still be in the $1,500 a month phase of my business. So amazing. I love hearing this. And I love thinking like he would have had to have four and a half $1,500 a month clients instead of one $7,000 a month client. So that's four or five clients he would have had. Imagine having four to five times the stuff in your head, right? If you're, stick, if you're like struggling by just attracting $1,500, $2,000 a month clients and you're doing the work yourself, you got to get out of that role and you got to get up a level to the role of the fractional CMO. Be the true leader in the business. You're going to have less on your mind, but the stuff that's on your mind is just going to matter more. You're going to solve bigger problems. You're going to have to the time to like dive in and, and really get depth with the client, really understand where they are and where they need to be and how to get them there. And then you're going to build and lead their team. It's just such a different position than being a tactician. You're stepping up and you're elevating into the role of the chief marketing officer. 
So super, uh, super excited for him. And if we can help you, um, I'd love to, to chat. Just book a call with my team. It's a super like no pressure, uh, just kind of meet and greet chat for 15 minutes with my team. And you can book that at cmox.co slash call, cmox.co slash call. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 